Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for joining me. You guys have found me at Off the Bench. And today I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about the importance of prayer and fasting. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I am coming to you today with a little bit different topic than I normally jump into here at the show. As you guys know, I'm coming up on the last couple of days of a journey that's taken me a year and a half to complete. I I announced a run for Congress in February of 2021, and we've been running this race hard. The Apostle Paul said that whatever we do, we should do everything with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength as unto the Lord. And that's really what we've been doing as we've been running this race for the United States House of Representatives. We are coming into the final few days. The primaries are here in Washington state on Tuesday. And I've been asking people in the area and around the country who follow this ministry and who've been praying for our family to enter into a few days of prayer and fasting with us. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about fasting and prayer and why it's so important and what the Bible says about it, because the Bible has a lot to say about the correlation between fasting. And I'll get into a little bit more of that so that you understand what that means exactly and prayer, and they really are a powerful combination. I want to read to you out of the book of Nehemiah for just a few minutes this time. And the Lord had me for the last year in the book of Nehemiah, and I read through it once. I've taught on this book, right, for several years, teaching leaders around the country how to start their own businesses or shore up ministries or uh, really work with volunteers. The book of Nehemiah is an incredible look into the life of a godly leader and what it looks like to lead well. And so I read the book through and then I really felt like God was saying, read it again. So I read it again. And I felt like he said one more time. And I think I've read it through nine times in the last year. And I I wanted to start today by just reading Nehemiah because the Lord's really bringing this back full circle for me in Nehemiah one. Well, first I'll set it up for you. So Nehemiah goes to uh, you know, he he hears about the destruction that's happened in Jerusalem. And he's he's he loves Jerusalem. He's from Jerusalem. His heart is for the people there. He loves the people there. God's given a real heart for what has uh what has happened to the people there coming back from a Babylonian exile. Remember, they got exiled because they disobeyed the Lord. And God told them over and over again, this is what you need to do. And the Israelites, stubborn and sinful, and as usual. They got themselves into a pickle, ended up in a Babylonian captivity. And now we come to the book of Nehemiah, where Nehemiah is recognizing that Jerusalem is basically in ruins, that the wall around it has been compromised, that the city is not safe. And I'm going to start with Nehemiah chapter one and just start right at the beginning uh, of verse with verse one. Now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, Susa, by the way, is modern Iraq, modern day Iraq. So if you want to picture where that might be on a map, that's where it is. Uh, that Hanai, one of my brothers, came with a certain with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile. Remember, he's talking now about the Babylonian exile that I was just talking to you about and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, 
who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sin of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are among your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. So here's Nehemiah. He's a servant to the king, to King Xerxes. Now we know that King Xerxes was one of the most terrifying kings in all of the Persian Empire. The Persian Empire, a vast amount of land. Xerxes, remember, was married to Esther. Esther also used prayer and fasting when she needed God to move in a particular way. And there's a major connection between fasting and prayer. And as you, as you were, as we were just reading, I was thinking, you know, here's Nehemiah in incredible distress over the news that Jerusalem has been desolated. Uh, his, his many days of prayer, according to the Bible, were characterized by tears, by fasting, by confession on behalf of his people. And he was asking God for mercy. GotQuestions.org says, so intense was the outpouring of his concerns that it's almost inconceivable he could take a break in the middle of such prayer to eat and drink. The devastation that befell Jerusalem also prompted Daniel to adopt a similar posture. Quote, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, in sackcloth and ashes. That's Daniel 9 verse 3. Like Nehemiah, Daniel fasted and prayed that God would have mercy upon the people, saying, we have been a wicked and rebellious people. We have turned away from your commands and laws. Guys, this is where we are right now. This is where we are in our country. This is where we are. Our cities lie in ruins. We're watching continually. I watched a video of a pastor in Brooklyn yesterday who was in the middle of giving a sermon and he was robbed at gunpoint right in the middle of his sermon. Our country is in trouble and the Bible lays out the reason why. We are a nation that has turned its back on the things of God over and over and over again. We have rebelled against the Lord. We have taken him out of our schools. We have moved him from our government. We've not stood for what God says is right. And the Bible is very clear that when that happens, nations are uh, nations suffer. And that's where we are right now. And when the Lord asked me to run, listen, you guys, I don't, I don't know, you know, very many things about uh, 
a lot of things, but I do know the sound of the voice of the Lord in my life. I've been walking with the Lord a long time. And when he asked me to run for office, I think partly he chose me because he knows how much I love the people of Southwest Washington. I, I think that God looks for people to serve who also have a genuine love for others. And so as God calls us to the front lines, the battle intensifies, right? The spiritual battle intensifies. And so we're coming to the most intense part of the last year and a half of my run. And so I'm going to encourage you to join with me for the next several days, starting tomorrow. For those of you who can, and I'll be talking about fasting after the break, but those of you who can to join me in fasting. Uh, In several instances in the Old Testament, fasting is linked with intercessory prayer. David prayed and fasted over his sick child, weeping before the Lord in earnest intercession. Esther urged Mordecai and the Jews to fast for her as she planned to appear before her husband, the king. Clearly, fasting and petition to the Lord are closely linked. I love this article. I'm reading from it, and I'll link back to it in the show notes today, but I'm going to quote from it for just a minute. There are instances of prayer and fasting in the New Testament. They are connected, but they are not connected with repentance or confession. The prophetess Anna never left the temple, but worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. That's Luke 2.37. At age 84, her prayer and fasting were part of her service to the Lord in his temple as she awaited the promised Savior of Israel. Also in the New Testament, the church at Antioch was fasting in connection with their worship when the Lord, when the Holy Spirit spoke to them about commissioning Saul and Barnabas to the Lord's work. At that point, they prayed and fasted, placed their hands on the two men and sent them off. And so we see these examples that prayer and fasting are components of worshiping the Lord and seeking his favor. Nowhere, however, is there any indication that the Lord is more likely to answer prayers if they are accompanied by fasting. Rather, fasting along with prayer seems to indicate the sincerity of the people praying and the critical nature of the situations that they find themselves in. The more critical the situation, the more appropriate fasting and prayer. In Mark 9, Jesus cast out a demon from a boy. The disciples had been unable to perform the exorcism, though they had previously been given authority over unclean spirits. Later, the disciples asked Jesus, why they failed in their attempts to free the boy from the demon and listen to what Jesus said. This kind can come out only by prayer. Matthew's account adds the phrase and fasting. In this particular case, the demon was exceptionally malicious and Jesus seems to be saying that a determined foe must be met with an equally determined faith. Prayer is a ready weapon in the spiritual battle. And fasting helps us to focus prayer and give it resolve. This is what I'm asking for those of you who are listening to me. You know my commitment to prayer. We've been praying for our schools, praying for our nation. And so for the next several days, I'm going to be entering into several days of just prayer and fasting. And I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to outline a little bit about what that looks like. We'll be right back. If you guys are homeschooling in the fall and you are looking for a program for language arts, I want to recommend to you the Institute for Excellence in Writing. And recently, I've been hearing from you asking, what do I buy? IEW has a lot of things that they're offering. So I want you guys to start with something I have loved and used with my kids. It's called Structure and Style for Students. Check it out and try three weeks for free. 
at IEW.com forward slash Heidi. So I was talking to my campaign team the other day about the possibility of just asking whoever wanted to participate to just come before the Lord in prayer and fasting. And it's a pretty powerful discipline, fasting. Uh, Through fasting and prayer, the Bible teaches us that amazing things can happen. The practice of fasting, as you guys just discovered, has very strong roots in the Bible. Jesus himself spent time in fasting and prayer during his life on earth, and he expected his followers to fast as well. And more commonly, fasting is when you abstain from food or a certain type of food for for a period of time. But there are multiple ways to fast, and all of them have the potential to help you grow spiritually. So think about what it is that you are facing right now, right? So here we are going to be praying and fasting specifically with regard to asking God to have his way in the outcome of an election. But you might be experiencing something in your life. Maybe you're having struggles in your marriage. Maybe you've got a financial situation. Maybe you've got a huge decision that you need to make and you're not sure what God wants you to do. And so I'm going to encourage you to consider praying with me starting tomorrow evening as we enter into a few days of prayer and fasting. Uh, Dr. Bill Bright, who I have tremendous respect for, and I'm going to put this in the show notes today, produced a guide to fasting uh, for crew.org. And there's a number of reasons why the practice of fasting, according to Dr. Bright, can be spiritually beneficial. Here's what he said. It's biblical, obviously. Fasting and prayer can restore or strengthen your intimacy with God. Fasting is a way to humble yourself in the sight of God. King David said, I humbled my soul with fasting. Fasting and prayer can help us hear God more clearly. So to listen to God as you fast, consider combining a time of fasting with the practice of of praying. And together, fasting and prayer can transform your prayer life into a richer and more personal experience with God. So there's a couple different types of fasting, and I'm going to also link back to these. And I'm not advocating for any one type. I know some of you are interested in what this might look like. And so uh, there's a regular fast. This is when you abstain from all food and drink except for water. And you can find uh, that in Matthew chapter four, verse two. You can do a partial fast. This is the type of fasting that uh, involves abstaining from a particular type of food. So Daniel's diet, for example, uh, when he was in Babylon is a great example. One popular type of a Partial fast is a liquid fast. So removing certain types of drinks from your diet, this might include alcohol, caffeine, or soda. Another form of a partial uh, partial fast is abstaining from one particular meal each day. An absolute fast is when you abstain from food and drink of any kind. And guys, you should only do this for a short period of time. Going any longer than three days without eating or drinking, just never a good idea, all right? Uh, A supernatural fast, this is interesting. I was reading about this. Uh, There have been instances when God enabled someone to fast in ways they could not do on their own. Moses abstaining from food and water for 40 days, according to Deuteronomy 9, verse 9, is an example of this type of fasting in the Bible. So in preparation for this, I'm going to, again, put uh, a sort of a guide, and you can find this at a Facebook page. I'm going to link back to it in the show notes today. This is open to anyone who wants to pray uh, specifically with me over the election and that God would restore Southwest Washington, that he would again give us good leaders, good and godly leaders. So I'm going to ask you guys to do what the Bible instructs, and that's just examine your own heart. Ask the Lord to help you see any sin that's in in your own heart. The Bible says sin is what easily entangles us. And then ask the Lord to forgive you. That's That's the practice of repentance. God honestly calls people 
to repent of their sins before he listens to their prayers. This happens uh, frequently in the Bible. You can look to King David's example in Psalm 66. Let me read it to you, starting in verse 16. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he's done for me. I cried aloud to him, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God truly has listened, for he has given heed to the words of my prayer. Blessed be the Lord, because God has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. In your prayers, confess not only obvious sin, but less obvious ones as well. Acknowledge the sins of omission, which are the right actions you haven't taken, as well as the sins of commission, which are the wrong things that you've done. What is standing in the way of your relationship with God? What's holding you back from living and loving like Jesus? It might be self-centeredness, spiritual indifference, or an unwillingness to share your faith with others. Putting time spent in prayer and the study of God's word a low priority on your list or struggling to love your neighbors and treat them with kindness. Confess your shortcomings to God and ask him to work in your heart during this time of prayer and fasting. So I'm going to link back to uh, safe fasting tips and guidelines. Again, I'm not promoting any particular way. I'm just asking you to ask the Lord what he wants you to do and he's going to He's going to do it. Some of you are going to are fast for all uh, through Tuesday with me. Some of you may be doing it just for a couple of days, but I'm going to ask that even if you don't engage in prayer and fasting through the whole thing, the, uh, the fasting aspect of it at least, that you definitely keep uh, keep us in prayer through Tuesday, which is uh, election day in Washington state. And as I said before, and I'm, I'm gonna probably just end today reminding you guys of what I said when I got into this thing in the first place. This was about obedience for me. It's always been about obedience. And whether I make it through the primary or whether I don't, I'm gonna praise the Lord. My uh, self-esteem's not hanging on this. My identity's not wrapped up in it. I know who I am in the Lord. I am a daughter of the King and the wife of J. St. John and the mother of seven amazing human beings and a grandma. And my identity is there. And so we have just so appreciated your prayers. We feel them. And uh, in the days that are coming up now, I'm going to ask the Lord to do what only he can do. This is Ephesians 6.13, right? Having done all, stand. And that's what we're going to be doing. And I was my, when my husband and I were uh, out on a date the other night, we got to go to a wedding in, uh, in Oregon. And we had a few, you know, a little bit of time in the car by ourselves. And we got to talking about the things that we've seen God do. And you guys, I've seen God do miracles. And we prayed and fasted over my nephew, Bobby, when he was in a car accident and broke his neck. And they said he'd never walk again. They said he likely wouldn't wake up. God answered that prayer in a miraculous way. When the Lord put it on our heart to start the Homeschool Resource Center, and we didn't have the money and we didn't have the resources and we came before the Lord and God provided in the most amazing way. God can do anything. And when you pray, pray that way. Know that the the God of heaven, the one that you're praying to, is capable of answering your prayers and that God loves the people of this world. We know that because his word says it. And so I'm asking the Lord to restore godly leaders to our nation beginning uh, right now, that this would happen not just in my home state of Washington, but it would happen around the country, that revival would break out and that we would see God's people engage again. So thank you guys. I'm going to link back to that particular 
uh, prayer group. So if you want to join, it's free to join, but we'd love to hear from you. Once you join that group, tell us what you're praying about, how we can pray with you, and let's see what God will do. We sure love you guys. Appreciate your prayers. I'm going to have a wonderful guest on the show with me tomorrow. We're going to reflect with a, with a homeschool dad whose kids are grown uh, about why education is so important. Have a great evening, everybody, and I will see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, find me online at momstronginternational.com and all major podcast platforms and YouTube.